Hey everyone, this is Chris Benton from the Metro Buzz, where we get up close and personal with some leaders around Middle Tennessee. And this is kind of a new show, so we're still kind of bringing the format of what this podcast really is. But we're excited for the first video podcast. We've done a couple audio ones for the Metro Buzz, um, but not video ones. Yet. So this first video one that, we ha- that we're bringing you with the Metro Buzz podcast. So we're excited about that, and we're excited who we have. We have Brian Hill, CEO of Neighborhood Health, and he's going to talk a little bit about his story and a little bit about what's going on within the health arena within Nashville with the virus and all that. And we're going to just have fun and just see where this goes. So Brian, welcome to the show. Well, thank you so much. It's such a pleasure to be here. Really appreciate the opportunity. It's you know it's a pleasure having you here because again you know we never know where the show's going to go and I love that about our show you know and you know this being kind of a new show we're excited to have anybody on right now especially someone you know with your credentials and talking about your credentials let's go there first um, tell us a little bit of your story that got you to this point a little bit a brief overview. Sure. Well, for about the last 20 years, I've been working in and around government, around programs that help underserved populations. And most of my time was at the D.C. office in Washington, D.C., at the D.C. welfare office serving the city, but ended up working for a little while in Tennessee um, and in TennCare, the Medicaid agency here. And that, uh, about three years ago, came across to uh, operate Neighborhood Health as this in oh, wow. service, the CEO. Neighborhood Health is an 11 clinic system of community health centers. And we serve about 31,000 people here in Middle Tennessee, 59% of whom don't have any insurance. So oh, wow. it's not just the poor and, and those who don't have insurance. You know, our wealthiest patient makes over $500,000 a year. So we serve yeah. everyone soup to nuts. So what has surprised you the most within your career so far? Gracious. I think the pandemic <laughs> has been probably a, a, a whole heap and a host of surprises <laughs> for us. Yeah. And, and I think maybe 2020 was the year that just had the most, I don't know, shocks and uh, yeah. uh, from the beginning. I mean, on, the, on March 3rd, our largest clinic was destroyed by the tornado that hit Nashville. And yeah. we didn't miss a beat. Um, all staff got reallocated that day. I think very few appointments actually got canceled and we didn't see any decrease in the patients that we saw in, t- in terms oh, of wow. total numbers for the whole month. Now that subsequently changed when the <laughs> pandemic really started to, to um, show itself, or start to manifest here in Middle Tennessee. And yeah. when Mayor Cooper issued the safer at home orders and, and Governor Lee um, did likewise and, and you know, late, late March and early April. So we've been adjusting to a number of changes over the course of the past couple of months. It's been a wild ride, but the great part about this is, you know, when you get to get up every morning and know that what you do matters and that it gives purpose and meaning to a yeah. community that, you know, it, it's, I think the pandemic has revealed the need for that kind of service, of the services that we provide. It's really fulfilling. And I, I'm, it's such a privilege and a blessing to be able to work at an organization like Neighborhood Health has been doing this work for the last 44 years in our communities. Yeah, because 2020 was tough for Nashville. You know, like you said, first it was the tornadoes. Then you turn around in COVID. Then unrest happened. So it was just so many things like back to back to back. And then, of course, the, the Christmas bombing. I mean, it's like 2020 was like just the year for Nashville to, to see what Nashville's made of. Well, and, and I think that the, the bombing is a really good example to show exactly how resilient this city is. Mm-hmm. Um, on Friday, we were 
certainly all affected and telecommunications were knocked out. Now our clinics were certainly closed for the Christmas holiday, but one of the things that was starting to happen in the city is that COVID-19 vaccinations had started in earnest, I think on about December 17th. One of the things that we were really focused on is to make sure that safety net clinic employees could get vaccinated. And so even after the Christmas bombing, which certainly required the attention of uh, Nashville Fire and EMS, Nashville Police and Metro Public Health, the Metro Public Health Director called me on the Monday after Christmas and said, you know, we work the weekend and we're going to have room to start vaccinating um, your safety net clinic team uh, starting on this afternoon and tomorrow. And so I think it's that kind of leadership and commitment mm-hmm. in this city to make sure that, you know, it didn't, uh, that everybody who is serving the public and who was really, ex- you know, at risk of exposure to COVID-19 in a healthcare setting was going to have access to that vaccination. And the leadership of Dr. Uh, Gil Wright at the Metro Public Health Department has just been extraordinary. He is a true hero in this effort. And we are thrilled to bits to partner with him and with Metro Public Health, um, not only through this pandemic, but gosh, um, I think back in 2018, we had a hepatitis A outbreak we were working with them on. We've been working with them throughout uh, the, the pandemic with respect to opioid use and the, mm-hmm. the um, number of overdoses that have almost doubled this past year. So working hand in glove with leaders yeah. like that is is a real inspiration and, a, and a, a real privilege. Now, talking about the vaccine, let's dig a little deeper now because you're the stats guy when it comes to this. What have been some of the barriers to getting access to that? Well, I, I think part of the issue is it, certainly our local and state officials have been doing um, just a fantastic job in trying to get the vaccine out to communities. But they, day in and day out, they don't have a strong sense from the federal government, or they, at least they didn't under the prior administration, as to how many doses that they would even receive. And so it made it very difficult to schedule appointments or figure out exactly how many people um, could get vaccinated at any one location on any one day. So I have a lot of uh, a lot of empathy for my, my public sector counterparts on what they're going through and, and certainly grateful for all of their work. Now, let's say that um, even when we have a better sense about the, the supply chain for the vaccine, there's still a number of issues, especially for the underserved. Um, one of the things that we did here in Nashville early in the process is we said, gosh, we don't want car keys to be a prerequisite to getting a vaccination. So if you're 75 and older and you don't drive and you don't have a, a child who's local or a friend who's local that can drive you to get a vaccination, we've got to help figure this out. And so we reached out to Steve Bland, Eric Beyer and Nick Oldham at WeGo or Nashville's oh, wow. Metro Transit Authority and said, guys, can you help us out? Um, for patients who are 75 and older, is there a way that we can safely uh, trans- uh, transport them on the weekends to get their vaccinations at Metro Public Health? And to their credit, um, Steve Bland and his team, within about seven days, had a really robust approach so that you know, once you schedule your vaccine with Metro Public Health um, and you didn't have a ride, they would they would make sure that that was in place. It's a little bit more challenging in outlying counties. Uh, yeah. One of the things in, in like in our region, Most of the counties in Middle Tennessee are served by a rural public um, transit operator called the uh, Human Resource Agency or or, uh, Mid-Cumberland HRA. And it's tough because Mid-Cumberland HRA can absolutely transport someone to get a vaccination. The problem with some of the outlying counties is the county health departments don't allow people just to walk up or be dropped off for vaccinations. 
And so, you know, figuring out how to work through those sort of mundane de operational details is really impactful. And it's, it's really nice to be able to work with the, the Tennessee Health Department who operates those smaller county health departments in rural counties to say, guys, here's what we're seeing. There's a problem that you may not have anticipated but we can't let car keys become a prerequisite to get a vaccine. How do we solve this problem? And they jumped in with us and rolled up their sleeves and said, gosh, I don't know, but let's get to it. And they're in the process now of developing a new transportation plan um, that really fits what they're able to do at county health departments and make sure that anybody, including those who are pedestrians or rural public transit riders can still get a COVID shot if they're eligible. And that would, kind of leads me to my next question is, you know, people in high risk groups who are having trouble making, getting that appointment, what can they do? Right. Well, um, it, last week was a big week in transition for a, a lot of the outlying counties and even in, in some parts of Nashville. Uh, initially, a lot of the outlying counties, uh, you had to call your public health department or try to sign up online using some websites that were called Sign Up Genius. Um, those websites got quickly got overwhelmed and even some oh, of the wow. county health departments, the, the telecommunications equipment just doesn't, it's not built to handle that kind of call volume. And so one of the things that they've had to transition to are new appointment systems and, and new ways of, of absorbing that patient demand for services. And they made that transition, I think, reasonably well last week. And so they've got a new waiting list that folks can sign up for either by calling the health department or signing up online. And as vaccine is received and they have a better sense from the federal government about how much vaccine they're going to have day by day, they can reach back out to people and get them um, in to get a COVID shot. So I would certainly encourage everybody in outlying counties who's age 75 or older to contact their health department and get on the waiting list. And then as they, you know, the county health department gets more information about the vaccine that they'll receive day by day, um, they'll reach back out to you. Now in Nashville, um, mm -hmm. there are currently two places for public vaccination, both of which are open on the weekends. Mm -hmm. One of those is Metro Public Health, and that's, you can simply call 615-862-7777. And Metro Public Health will absolutely uh, put you on the, the waiting list to get the vaccination, or you can go to their website and, and sign up to get on the waiting list for that as well. Um, Meharry Medical College is also doing public vaccinations on the weekend, uh, and individuals can call 615-327-6348 uh, to get on the Meharry's waiting list. They can also go and, and sign up on Meharry's website um, to get on the waiting list. And when that happens, Meharry will reach back out as they have more, more vaccine available. Now, I, I think when I'm talking about Metro Public Health and, uh, and Meharry, those are two organizations that have really, really focused on how to make this accessible to the public, both yeah. to make sure that you could, you could um, set, sign up for an appointment by phone, since a lot of people don't have computer access, and that there are, especially with Metro Public Health, that, that the, um, the local transit authority can drop you off or, or pick you up if you need a ride to get a vaccination. The problem in Tennessee, though, is that about two-thirds of the doses uh, for, for COVID-19 vaccinations have been administered by Vanderbilt and St. Thomas. And Vanderbilt yeah. and St. Thomas made a decision to restrict access to their vaccine only to already established patients of those health systems. Oh, and that's wow. proven really problematic because um, Vanderbilt does not accept adult 10 care at all. 
And uh, St. Thomas only accepts 10 care, uh, or St. Thomas and St. Thomas Medical Group only accepts uh, 10 care on a very selective basis for adults. Mm -hmm. So you've got a large number of people who are effectively excluded from being able to get vaccinated there. And what happens is Vanderbilt and St. Thomas's patient population is disproportionately white and higher income. So by restricting vaccine in this fashion, the hospitals in the wake of those decisions have, you know, we've seen, uh, we're seeing a lot of inequities in terms of uh, ability to get vaccinated by persons of color in their communities. What's that? What do you think can be done to kind of help solve that issue? That's a great, that's the issue that we're, we're most focused about. And, and let me tell you the size of the issue and then what we can do to solve it. One of the things about this that's so concerning is that um, African-Americans probably only comprise well, less than about four and a half percent of yeah. individuals in Tennessee who've been vaccinated. Yet African-Americans com- uh, comprise th- 13% of COVID cases and 25% of ho- COVID hospitalizations. So when we think about who's disproportionately affected by the pandemic, it's mm-hmm. certainly African-Americans, but yet their, COVID va- their, their access to COVID vaccination sites is so limited because of the state allocation of vaccine to, to hospitals that are being so restrictive. So we got to fix that. And, and yeah. one of the things to her credit, uh, Commissioner of Health Lisa Piercy last Friday announced a policy change to say hospitals that continue to restrict vaccine in this fashion mm-hmm. will no longer get vaccine. And I think that was an incredibly important policy shift. That follows what Louisiana did. Louisiana actually went further and said if hospitals do this, we're going to find them. Tennessee is is not finding hospitals. It's just saying, look, if you're not going to use vaccine in an ethical, equitable fashion, then we're going to shut off the spigot and stop giving you a vaccine. And we're going to put that vaccine um, in county health departments and other places that are going to make yeah. it available to the broader public. And so that was the a key change that Commissioner Piercy announced and really important one. The second change that Tennessee can do is to follow the lead of 32 other states, and that's putting the vaccine in community health centers. Because community health centers, like neighborhood health, we're back. We, you know, we are working with underserved populations, particularly um, popul- uh, neighborhoods where it's disproportionately comprised of, of minor- ethnic and racial minorities. Yeah. And so when you want to make sure that you're reversing disparities and you're making sure that all Tennesseans have access to a vaccine, regardless of their race or ethnicity, then health mm-hmm. centers are the go-to champion. And, and that's what 32 other states have found, and that's what Tennessee urgently needs to do. I'll give you an yeah. example. We have two clinics. That are that serve primarily uh, uh, individuals who reside in public housing. Our clinics are embedded in those public housing communities. We have yeah. two clinics that primarily serve patients experiencing homelessness, and we have two clinics that primarily serve uh, patients of immigrant origin. So, if you want to reach those patients, you, you do there. that not by putting vaccine in hospitals that don't serve those patients. You put vaccine in places like community health centers that not only serve them, but serve them day in and day out. That's what we do. And we want to make sure that's what, what Georgia and Florida and all them are doing is they're going that route. Because we, we when we talked before the show, you was like, you, that's what Tennessee needs to do is what some of these other states are doing. That's right. And I mean, these are these are wild hippie states like South Carolina, Mississippi, Texas, Oklahoma, Florida, Georgia, Kentucky. I mean, this the reason states are doing this is because it makes sense. I mean, and, and the one thing about health centers is that the Trump administration said that vaccines should be immediately available in health centers, which is why a lot of these red states went that direction. 
The Biden administration just released uh, its COVID-19 vaccination plans, which prominently feature health centers. Uh, and that's, a, you know, so it doesn't really matter where you are on the political divide. Yeah. If you want to reach all Tennesseans, you need you health centers to be a key part of that because that's who we reach, those who are left out of the, the larger health system. That makes a lot of sense. Not sure why Tennessee's not went there yet. Hopefully they will begin that process. Let's go the other way a little bit. Let's talk about since all this has happened through 2020. Um, tell us some stories where you've seen some positiveness come out of this now, where people that you know have stepped up. Oh, absolutely. Um, the stories here are, it's hard to pick just one or two, but I, I do have a couple <laughs> of names that um, I, I'd like to just really call yeah. attention to. One person at Metro Public Health that has been a true heroine in this process is Leslie Waller. She's an epidemiologist and a nurse. Oh, wow. um, and gosh, it was back in April where it was a Saturday night and we had done a, an offsite testing event at a, a local homeless shelter. And we had gotten the results back on Saturday and I called her at five or five thirty on Saturday. And I said, Leslie, um, we've got it's, you know, we've got a bunch of positives and I, I don't know what we're going to do, but we've got to move these people into quarantine oh, wow. right away. And Leslie said, I'll, I'll meet you at the shelter in, in an hour. And so at seven o'clock on a Saturday night, Leslie met me at the shelter. We were all equipped in PPE and she spent until about 10 o'clock that night sitting and counseling patients who had just been told um, that they had that they were positive for COVID. And at that time, COVID was a little scarier than it is yeah. now because we didn't really know uh, that much about it. And we assumed at that point that if you got COVID, you were likely going to get sick. Um, yeah. and she, I, I just watched her do magic. And, wow. and that's, that's the only word for it. And it takes someone with that kind of heart and that kind of commitment. And I don't know that Leslie's had a day off since since March third. So so wow. she's someone. She deserves I, it. <laughs> oh, I mean, she's just amazing. Another person is is Dr. Shelley Fiscus at the Tennessee Department of Health, and Shelley is one of those people who probably gets a thousand emails a day, but she answers every one of them um, individually. And That's so it didn't matter what kind of silly question. I had, I was going to get a, a, number one, she was going to make me feel smarter than I am. And number two, she was <laughs> going to make sure that she gave me the information to, to make that I, I was, I wasn't working with, with, you know, half baked sort of rumors or things like that. It was just about facts and, and reassurance. That kind of thing goes a long way. And her commitment as a pediatrician, but as it wow. is really, really legendary. One of the other things that Shelly has done is given us the blues. And one of the things that she she has said repeatedly every time she gets on the phone with health center directors like myself is she said, folks, we're going to help you with COVID, but we got to keep our eye on the prize. Childhood immunizations in Tennessee have declined by 70%. And we're not going to, it doesn't do us very many favors to win a COVID pandemic and lose a measles war. So if we're, we, we've got to, we've got to multitask here. And, and I think her view and it sort of perspective on that is exactly right. So how do we get through the next year? But then how do we make sure that 18 months from now, we're not dealing with a very deadly measles outbreak um, that affects way too many children and, and, and others that have been left unvaccinated? So, you know, Leslie, as a nurse working for Metro Public Health, Shelley Fiscus, a pediatrician at the State Department of Health, are just two great examples. I'll, I'll give you two others. Okay. Um, Metro Public Health started vaccinating our staff the Monday after Christmas, but it wasn't just Metro Public Health. 
uh, Joanne Polis and Joanna Conley at um, HCA TriStar reached out to me and said, uh, Brian, we know that Metro is trying to vaccinate your staff. No one knows how much vaccine we get day by day. We want to be here for you. We're finishing up vaccinating uh, Metro Fire and Police. We're vaccinating from 6 a.m. to 9 p.m. Send us staff that need to get vaccinated. And, and, and I was like, oh, well, do you need all the paperwork? They said, I just need their name. Send them on. I, you know, how do I make this easy for you and your team? And it's that kind of sort of community minded spirit by, you know, HCA that really made a difference. And I think they ended up vaccinating probably 30 of our staff members that day. It was just incredible. And, you know, there was no press release from HCA to say we vaccinated Metro Fire, Metro Police, yeah. Metro EMS, Neighborhood Health and others. They just wanted to do just it. What they do. And so it's that kind of community spirit that's incredible. Another person is Dr. Deanne Bullock, who's the chief medical officer at Nashville General. Um, Deanne called me the Tuesday after Thanksgiving and said, I think I've got extra doses. Who needs it? And, and what, what can we do? And it was just, how, you know, everybody sort of digging in and saying, I know you're doing good work. I want to support you. What do you need? And how do I make this easy? And it's just been, it, it's that kind of community that makes Nashville a truly amazing place. Uh, and I, I can't say enough good things about Dr. Gil Wright at Metro Public Health, Leslie Waller also at Metro Public Health, Dr. Fiscus at the Tennessee Department of Health, um, Dr., uh, Joanne B uh, Polis and, and Joanna Conley at HCA, Dr. Dan Bullock at National General, they've been great. I referenced to Steve Bland, Eric Beyer and Nick Oldham at WeGo Metro Transit. And one of the things that Eric Beyer said to me when we were trying to think up a transit plan, he said, you know, not very many people get that excited about bus routes. Um, <laughs> he said, you know, we do. And we understand that bus route, you know, getting this right is the difference between getting vaccinated and not. Thank you wow. for giving us a chance to help. And I was just like, you're thanking me for giving you a chance to help. I mean, good heavens, you've just you put yourself out and working weekends to make this come together. And, and they did that with, the, you know, uh, Councilman Bob, Councilmember Bob Mendez figured out how to connect all of us to make things work. And you've got Councilmember Zolfit Suara, who is really following up to make sure that we're connected. And the same with Councilmember Sharon Hurt, making sure that the Nashville General and the Metro Health Department and all of us are coordinating really, really well. And it's just it's that level of keen community interest and commitment that is making this as successful as it is. And that's one thing we love about the Nashville, as you said, the Nashville spirit. You know, mm -hmm. we've seen a lot of cities out there and they all got spirit. I'm not putting any other cities down, but there's just nothing like the Nashville family, so to speak. I mean, if you if you are in Nashville or you're moving to Nashville, they treat you like family. People just, they, they, you know, they accept you in. That, that's something we've noticed about the Nashville community, whether it's in the entertainment world, which Sandy and I are heavily in, and now moving into a little bit of business world. So we're starting to learn a little bit about the business world side. And that seems to be the same spirit, too. It, it is. And, and one of the things, too, about Nashville is its spirits and its smarts. Mm -hmm. And they go hand in hand. So let me give you an example. Um, there's been a lot of national conversation about vaccine hesitancy, yeah, particularly among African-Americans, given the legacy of Tuskegee and, and other, um, mis you know, the, the exclusion and or mistreatment of African-Americans by the health system. And so when we think about how do we address vaccine hesitancy in Nashville, well, gosh, you've got President Hildreth at Meharry Medical College, who is a Rhodes Scholar, 
<laughs> an infection disease expert and president of a historically black med um, a medical college who's not only educating family practice providers, but can speak directly based on personal experience growing up in Arkansas and as an infection, a nationally renowned infectious disease expert. Wow. So I think the Nashville spirit is enormous, but I, I also think that the Nashville smarts paired with that make us unstoppable as a community. And that's just, it's people like President Hildreth who bring such credit to this city and really make it a special place. I love that. And I think we got out what we wanted to say. Um, what's What do you think is next for Nashville within the health arena? Well, we clearly have a, a long way to go to get people vaccinated, and that's going to take a, a fair amount of patience. I, I think mm -hmm. the part about all of this for us is how do we keep our spirits up and mm -hmm. how do we buck up those who are working, you know, 18 hour days and have been for the last 10 months. And uh -huh. so everything I do and say, I want to I, I want to do so with a measure of grace and, and with a, a, a Thanksgiving so that when you know, people are working their Christmas holidays, taking, stepping away from their families because they know that lives in this community depend on it. Um, I just, I, I want to say thank you. And I think we, we as a community, the more that we can say thank you, um, the better off we are because it's it's almost a personal reminder about how interdependent we are. And, and you know, when you're in, if, if, inter, if we're all so interdependent, there's no better place than to be in a place like Nashville where you've wow. got the spirits and the smarts that that make this that will make things work. I, I think the second part about what we do is that COVID is going to be a defining a, a defining feature of anything that happens in 2021. Yeah. But it's people like me and like Dr. Fiscus and and um, Leslie Waller and others who need to start looking at the 12 months after COVID to say. What are we doing to make sure that our measles vaccination rates are where they need to be? How do we make up the lost ground in caring for diabetes and hypertension when people weren't coming as, as comfortable coming to the doctor regularly and you know yeah. may have not may not have maintained control of their chronic conditions? So how do we not only prevent deaths from COVID? but prevent deaths that are indirectly related to this pandemic because people just put off medical care. And so when we think about how to do this next, it's gonna be a, a challenge for all of us to start thinking about medicine beyond COVID. And I, I think Nashville being the healthcare capital of the United States with HCA, CHS and LifePoint and um, Harry and, and other health systems that are here, I, I think it's, it's really gonna be Nashville is going to be a national leader in defining the post-COVID um, medical world. Wow. And that's an exciting place to be, but it's also a pretty awesome responsibility because so many lives are, are going to depend on our success in that. It's a big tech hub, too, now. I mean, it's like so many aspects of Nashville you would have never thought. You know, when a lot of people, they think of Nashville, they think music. But it's so much more. Uh, like I read an article the other day that talked about, you know, a lot of people, they still love the big cities like your L.A.'s and your New York's. And they love the big city atmosphere. And they're moving out of those big cities, but they still want the big city. And so they're moving to places like Nashville because although it's not, New, although it's not the big, big city, it's still a big city with great, like you said, great smarts and great community. And so a, a lot of people are moving to Nashville. Well, and, and you know, I've lived in the Bay Area, um, in California, San Francisco, and, and it's a beautiful space. I've spent 12 years in Washington, D.C. I've lived overseas. 
there is no better place to be than Music City. There's no yeah. question. I, I think what we're what we are facing is uh, a real challenge, and Nashville's rising to that occasion. Where I think what what happens next, and what I'm really hopeful, um, Music City really embraces and takes to the next level is how do we deal with what we've seen in terms of disparities in this pandemic? Yeah. How do we make sure that all Nashvilleans, um, even those who uh, you know are, may have a different skin color or a different um, immigrant origin or a different uh, language uh, preference or a different ethnicity, how are they part of Nashville's success? And yeah. how? And then, you know, for our brothers and sisters who are experiencing homelessness, how are we making Nashville uh, quite literally home for them? And and how are we making sure that housing reflects that? So lots of challenges. But if you get through this pandemic with as much style and grace and resilience as Nashville has, then it does give you tremendous optimism for what we can do going forward. I love that. And, you know, as you know, I really love Nashville, like we talked about beforehand and all that. So any final words and maybe what's next for your company? And then we'll end it. So in terms of final words, I just want to say thank you to all of the many people who have helped us over the course of this year. I've listed some public officials. I've listened uh, um, some folks at at corporate, uh, folks like uh, at HCA and the others that have made this uh, 2020 and, and now 2021 even better. I also just appreciate those who, you know, we get uh, envelopes every every once in a while, you know, uh, um, with uh, $20 and saying, look, oh, I'm wow. not sure what's needed, but make it work. And and I, I think yeah. you know, we got a, a donation of diabetic socks that I didn't expect. Oh, and wow. it, those kinds of things that make such a difference. And it's, you know, when someone just says, I don't know what you need, but tell me and I'll make it happen. Um, I don't have much money, but I don't think much is needed. I, you know, it can yeah. put it to good use. It's that kind of outgrowth of so that kind of outpouring of support that's really made a difference. And so, my 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 closing thoughts would just be such gratitude and thanks, um, very sincere appreciation for all of what Nashville has done. Um, I hope that, that Nashville leans into neighborhood health uh, and has for for forty four years. That's that's why we're here. But also Nashville has, has allowed neighborhood health to lean into it. And so we're, we're just very grateful for that and for all of the support that Nashville continues to give. That is awesome. And, you know, we've got, you know, if you want to tell people how they can reach out to your company, that'd be awesome, too. Sure. If you need to see a doctor that, and you don't necessarily, you know, regardless of whether you have insurance or not, call us at 615-227-3000 and we'll get you an appointment whether it's um, if you need to see a doctor or a dentist, we don't care um, what you, what insurance you have or even whether you have insurance. We care that you get care that's rec- that, that's important and clinically appropriate for you, and we're going to make that happen. If you'd like to give to Neighborhood Health, we welcome that. You can also call us at 615-227-3000, and we'll, we'll sort that out. But the, the key thing for us is that we want to be Nashville's medical home, and it's, we're here for you no matter what. Thank you for letting that be true for 44 years and for helping that to continue to be true for the next 44. Thank you. I love that. And we definitely enjoyed having you on the, on the podcast today. And we definitely look forward to having you back down the road, maybe three, four months, and kind of see where we stand from that point from this conversation. Well, with pleasure. God bless you. Thank you for this. And thank you for what you're doing to help make Nashville smile. We appreciate it. <laughs> That's the plan.